Dave Rubin, and joining me today is the author of the Anti-Communist Manifesto, as well as the host of the Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly, welcome to the Rubin Report. It is an honor to be here once again, my friend. As always, Dave, yes, I'm a, I'm a world-famous author now, Dave. I'm a very important person now. <laughs> is this your first book? It is my first book and will probably be my only book. Uh, the truth is, I don't like to write. I enjoy doing TV and radio. That's what I do for a living, but I, do, I don't enjoy writing. I, I just, they were hounding me, hounding me, hounding me. Hey, we want you to write a book for a few years. And I always just said, no, I wasn't interested. And then they said, what if you wrote something about anti-communism? Because that's what I'm most passionate about. And I said, yes, that I will write. So this is my one-off probably, but I, I'm proud of it. Before we get into the specifics of the book and the political machinations and all of the lunacy of the day, I want to talk about your height because you're like eight foot seven or something. And every time I see you in real life, despite the fact that I've seen you, I don't know, probably a dozen times in reality, because you're in a small box right now, you seem normal size. But in reality, you're six eight, right? Like you're you're huge, man. You should be in the NBA, and instead you're babbling about politics with schmucks like me. Okay, hold on. Yes, I'm six eight, but I'm also unathletic, Dave. I'm slow. <laughs> I can't jump. I'm not coordinated. So those things always have you thought about the WNBA? <laughs> they put a ceiling on my athletic achievements. That's one, two. You think, you think I'm tall, and that hits you when, when you meet me, and I always get this from people. Oh, I can't believe I'll tell you. I didn't realize that. You know what hits me, Dave? How short everyone else is that I see on TV <laughs> or something like that when you meet, because everyone on TV, in my opinion, looks like they're a good size. He takes up the whole screen, right? So you think, now, by the way, Dave Rubin, for those who've never met him, is tall. I would guess you're at least Thank six you. feet. But, but so you. many people I meet are just minuscule, Dave. I'll walk up to them and I'm used to this larger than life personality and I feel like patting him on the head and getting him a binky or something. All right, well, beyond, beyond your height, uh, one, one of the reasons I love doing your show and that you know we're kind of in the same circles these days is because I think we both have a similar attitude about politics. It's like we talk about politics, we're passionate about it, but we're also trying to have fun. We're trying to make our audience laugh and not you know, so many people are just riling these people up and then send them out into the world. W when did you get involved in politics or interested in politics or any, any version of like what that was about you that made you want to do this the way that you do it? Pretty late in life, which probably explains a lot, including the, what you were just talking about. I always loved history. I was always a reader. Now, I was a very bad student. I got a 0.0 in my first semester of college. That's real, by the way. I was a very that, bad student. How, but I, wait, I've, is that possible? How's that even possible? Well, Dave, there's beer and there's girls, and as long as there's plenty of that around, you don't ever end up in class. I figured out if no one's there to make you go. So it was a very fun semester, but not the most productive one in the world. Anyway, but I didn't get political till late in life. I grew up in a construction family. That's my background. Joined the Marines, got out of the Marines, started going to community college, right back to construction. That's just what I was going to do. And then Obama ran for office, and I ended up running for Congress because I was so mad about him running for office a couple times in Arizona. Ended up staying in the fight, going back to the private sector, selling RVs. So I've only been doing like TV and radio four or five years. 
But you're right, I'm on the same philosophy. I mean, I, I did it in the book, too. I do it on my radio show. I do it on my TV show just like you do. I don't like to scream and yell all day long. There's enough bad news out there. And we talk about that very frankly, but screaming and yelling and my blood pressure is going through the roof that I'm upset and you're upset. And that's just, I, I, there's way too much of that. I don't like it. What was it that you saw about Obama early on that probably, I suppose, led to a guy like you writing a book like this? Uh, well, again, I wasn't, we, I, I always knew we were Republican, but that was one conversation with my parents. I think I was in kindergarten. Hey, Dad, are we Democrat or Republican? We're Republican. I didn't even know why. So, okay. So I, it, it wasn't a political house, but it was a patriotic house. And I mentioned that I was uh, reading all the time. I, I was a geek for military history and military fiction and military anything when I was a kid. Just give me a book on the Marines and let me read it. So I really was raised with a deep, deep love of the country. And while I never really cared, honestly, about Clinton and a lot of these guys, I knew all the controversies. Obama was the first guy I saw running for president that I really, I could tell he really hates the country. He really, really hated the country. And I was so aghast at the thought of, because I guess I probably had lofty ideals back then, Dave. I was a little less jaded about the presidency and who the president should be and the statesman who should lead America. And I just was horrified that someone who hated the place might lead it. And that's, that's from there, I <laughs> marching down to the local Republican office. I didn't even know how to run for office. I started running for something. <laughs> that's how it went. <laughs> They said, we'll take that 6'8 guy and see yeah. if he can run. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, well, you know but, it's funny because I, I know you know my story, obviously, about coming from the left. I, and I was on board the Obama thing and I voted for him twice. But I remember day one of his presidency when Michelle Obama said that thing about this is the first day I've ever been proud of America. I remember suddenly being like, whoa, what, 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 huh? How'd that happen? Yeah. It, it, it bothered me so much. It made me political because, like I said, I was not an, I wasn't even active in politics. I wasn't doing any of that. I was going, I was working construction. I just met my wife, so I'm chasing all my money. I'm spending all my money chasing her around, Dave. You know how it goes. And, and I just wasn't, I wasn't involved. But I, I, the more I read about this guy, I thought to myself, wait, this guy's going to be the nominee? What? This guy can't be the president? And look, the rest is history. So since the book is called uh, The Anti-Communist Manifesto, and I'm sure many people are familiar with The Communist Manifesto, uh, first off, do you make a distinction at this point? Is, is there an important distinction to make between socialist, communist, and even Democrat at this point? Like, how, how would you sort of line up each one of those uh, ideologies? Yeah, there's no difference in any of them. So there's no need, there's no point in making any distinctions at all because this is, this is what we do. And this is actually what they do very, very well to us and then we oblige. We stress because, because you have a moral code, Dave. Now, I don't have much of one, but I have some. <laughs> but, but because of that, there are things we don't want to be and things we don't want to do. Like I don't want to be a hypocrite or a liar. I'm a bad person, but I don't want to be accused of those things, right? So what they will always do is they'll always have you, the communists these days will have you define things. He'll never define anything for you. Hey, what is social justice? Hey, hey, what does it mean? What, how do we know we'll have gotten to equity? That's surely the goal, right? He'll never define anything for you. You can't get those definitions, but he'll demand you define everything. Well, it's actually not socialism, because if you look at the dictionary definition, that's, that, that's how he gets you every single time. All, none of that matters. Communism is just a religion. That's all it is. Communism, socialism, now modern Democrats. It's the religion of the malcontent. 
That's why it's taken a different form. Every country it's ever been put into place from the Soviets, it was the urban poor. They tried to do that in China, and Mao said, nope, you're stupid. Our urban poor are actually pretty happy here. We have really miserable rural poor, so it's the rural poor in China. In America, it's not any of that at all. It's all cultural now, because our urban poor and our rural poor had a great life, and they couldn't get traction here, so they switched with the Frankfurt School to all this cultural Marxism stuff, where are, are you gay and oppressed in this country? Are you black and oppressed? Are you a feminist and oppressed? Are you just trying to find whatever malcontented group they could find out there? to try to burn the place down. It's just a religion of destruction. It's not more complicated than that. So is that, is that really what it boils down to, that, that because we have some code of ethics, let's say, and, and some principles, and they might be somewhat different, but we're acting against a bunch of people who, it seems to me their mission is either only to burn it down, maybe with a dash of replace it with something, but I'm actually not even sure of that. I think it's just a, a burn it down. And that we somehow, in some ways, it feels like we can't win because they're all in on destruction and it's much easier to destroy than to create. No, no, yes and no, Dave. I guess I'll put it to you that way. We can win, we can win. Good can defeat evil, but only if good understands it's fighting evil. That's another reason I wrote the book. It's, part of the, it's what we've never done before. Again, because you have some sort of a moral code and especially because you used to be on the left and you used to run in those circles, you undoubtedly will think about individual friends you have, a Democrat here, a, a liberal there, who you can talk to. To this day, you may talk to them. You may break bread with them and think to yourself, well, that's, this person may be misguided, but he's certainly not my enemy. And that's fine when you think about individuals, but we're not dealing with bad overall. When we deal with the movement, this communist movement here in America, really globally, we're not dealing with bad. We're dealing with evil. And, but we approach it like we're dealing with bad. Like if we just talk to them enough, if, if I'm just understanding enough, hey, we both want school shootings to stop, so let's come to a compromise. But what we've never understood is they don't want school shootings to stop. I know that sounds extreme to people, but when Dave Rubin wakes up and sees a school shooting, his freaking heart breaks. And he's calling family and friends, and did you see the kids and how sad this is? The communist doesn't think like that at all. Joe Biden gets together with his staff that on the day of a stool shooting, and there's not a single tear. In fact, most of them are happy. Hey, this is great. Who died? Oh, nice. It was black people? Oh, good. Tell me the shooter was white. Oh, yes, shooter was white. Let's do a statement out there. We'll visit. Everything's an opportunity to somebody without any values at all. Everything. And it's hard to accept that about your fellow man, that that's what you're dealing with. And that's the struggle with the right right now. How do we accept that? Because that's what we're dealing with. Okay, so how, how do we accept that then? Because I sense, and you know, as you know, I've been a very uh, vocal new Floridian. I sense that the right version of conservatism is taking root here. A piece that understands when to use government, what is true, what type of leaders we want, et cetera. I mean, is that the route that we have to, that we need the rest of the country to go down? Maybe that, uh, well, I made it 10 minutes in without saying DeSantis. No, no. no. Yes, that's what we need to do. We, we need to adjust our mentality for ourselves and our leaders. Like, you know, I've, it's been this way for most of my life, where the right, when it comes to something like a boycott, it, it was the norm, Dave. It was mainstream, not just from politicians, from pundits to say things like, well, we don't do that. That's not who we are. Well, that's not who we are. And then we woke up one day and Target's telling your 13-year-old daughter to chop her boobs off and we were shocked at that. Well, why were we shocked at that? The corporate boardroom was only ever getting pressure from one direction. The right has to understand now that this whole 
philosophy of bragging about not using power is ridiculous. If you have the governorship like DeSantis, you use it like DeSantis. If you have numbers in your local community, you go take over your school board and you make sure your values are in your school. You use power. The communist is still a minority, but he understands how to use power. We will drive by the local public library a thousand times, you, me, everybody, and you won't even look at it unless you have kids. It's a public library. Who gives a crap about it? The communist drives by the public library and he sees an opportunity. He sees power. Why are there child drag shows going on at your local public library? Because you drove by it a thousand times and never thought about it, and he drove by it and he saw power. That's why we must adjust our mentality. Is that the beauty of what's going on here with Target and Bud Light right now? That it seems like, and again, when I say conservative, I just mean sort of the broad, like roughly sane people, people who are somehow connected to reality, let's say, that bottom up, they were like, all right, no more Bud Light, no more Target, and it's actually working, meaning they weren't fully waiting for the top-down version of all of this. Yeah, yeah, I think the Target stuff, honestly, I think the trans stuff, specifically the trans kids stuff, I've made this argument, I, I believe it might save the United States of America, and I really mean that, because I just mentioned how outnumbered the communists are, and they are, but they've been much more committed and they've been involved. So you have all these people on the right, just kind of normal people, oh, did you catch the game last night, but didn't really ever get involved. And that lasted forever, for the most part. They, for the most part, people don't care what other people do with their lives. They really just don't. And then all of a sudden, normal person woke up one day and he found out, wait a minute, we're, we're chopping off boys' penises? That's something that's happening in regular, that's, that's happening in the country? Wait, Disney's wants, Disney wants kids to do this? Normal guy woke up one day and all of a sudden there's a tranny on his Bud Light and now you woke him up. And that was really what we needed all along. We needed that guy who shares our values to wake up and realize we're dealing with a whole different animal here. And the second you start attacking kids, I, I'm hopeful that maybe a line has been crossed that now we're going to really start fighting back with some teeth. That's why you see Target boycotts and Bud Light boycotts work for the history and right-wing boycotts. So now that we're seeing it from the people, what do you make of the set of Republicans who've been pushing back against some of this stuff? So, you know, say Chris Christie, Mike Pence, the Republicans who are against DeSantis going after Disney, Nikki Haley. Uh, I was on Megyn Kelly's show, who I absolutely adore. She was kind of against it. Uh, you know, that there's this set of people who are now like, oh, we don't want to ever use government to do things, uh, even when, in my view, it's extremely just and certainly within the purview of, of government. Yeah, well, I don't care for Chris Christie or Mike Pence. I adore Megyn Kelly just like you do. But I'll, I'll say this. I sympathize with that, Dave, and this is why I sympathize with it. I'm 41. I'm not ancient. I know I'm going bald, but I'm only 41. But my entire You're a life, kid, man. conservatism or being on the right or whatever that may be, it has always been, hey, this is all the power we won't use. Hey, this is how limited our power is. Hey, we won't use our power. They will because they're the bad guys, but we won't. And so that mentality... That mentality has been ingrained. It's been beaten into people on the right for most of their lives. If you're 60 years old watching Dave Rubin right now, that's all you've ever known. If, if you read or paid attention to right-wing news and sources, that's all it's ever been, bragging about not using power. So when you wake up one day and you walk into that person's office and you tell them, no, we must use all the power we have or we're going to lose to some subhuman savages, 
It's hard for that person to just wake up one day and realize, oh my goodness, we need to use power. It'll be too far for many people. I understand that it's hard to change a mentality, but the right needs an entire mentality change. What do we do about the set of people? And it, it might be half the country. It might be more than half the country that are brainwashed and are not going to come around to this. So, you know, like I, I see you on Twitter. You're, I'm kind of in this camp, too. It's like we need some separation from these people. To me, if the DeSantis thing doesn't work, at what point are we the United States of America if Cali wants to go that down that road and Florida wants to go down the freedom road? Like what actually is uniting us? But we are still one country, at least for now. Yeah, we're not one country anymore. I, I, again, I don't want to be too jaded, but I don't want to be too pie in the sky either. We're not one country anymore, and we won't be one country 100 years from now, and we shouldn't be. That's, I say that and people get mad, especially people on the right, because people on the right are actually patriotic. Well, understand, I love my country too, but we're not, we shouldn't be a nation. The only point in coming together and living as a people, whether you're a tiny tribe or a big country, is for the protection and prosperity that living around each other provide. And you only get that if you share some common values. If I believe in being left alone, Dave, and you're my ne next door neighbor in, in the tribe I live in, and you believe every day you should wake up and come poop in my living room, well, we shouldn't be next door neighbors. We just, it doesn't mean you're wrong, I'm wrong. We just have different values. We need to be apart. That's where we are now. We are two different countries at least. And we're already separating. People are migrating. They're leaving California. They're leaving New York. They're going to Texas. They're going to Florida. They're going to Idaho. People are, are separating as the blue states descend into hell, and they will. I mean, the, the people don't even realize how bad it will get in blue states. Red states, people who want to live normal lives will move to red states. And how that final separation comes, I'm worried about that, but it's coming at some point. Do you think there is a rock bottom for the blue states? I mean, I was in San Francisco last week and no matter how many times I go there and trust me, I don't want to go. So it, it basically takes a lot to get me there. Uh, it is unbelievably horrible. It, it is not an American city. It should be the lead story on every cable news channel every night. Of course, it never is. You know, that actually breaks my heart, Dave, because unlike many people, I love cities. I love the country, too. I grew up in Montana. I love them all, but I love a city. And I've heard, I never got to go in its prime. I heard San Francisco was at one point the most beautiful oh, city in this country. I've just heard it was stunning. And so I don't celebrate when, when that stuff happens. But to answer your question, I view this as being a spiritual war as much as anything else. I've told many people, I don't care what you believe. It's not my business. But you have to look at them and understand you're dealing with evil forces. And evil doesn't have a bottom, Dave, to answer your question. I mean, bad does. If, you, if you're a bad guy, if, you, if I'm a bank robber for a living, I may wake up tomorrow morning. I very well may and say, dude, I've robbed enough. It's too dangerous. I, I don't feel right about it. I'm going to go get an accounting job somewhere. Bad might do that. But a demon never wakes up one day and says, man, you know, I'm done with all this evil stuff. I think, I think, I think we've gone too far, guys. The kid stuff is too far. I think we should sit it out. It only goes down from here in those places, sadly. Right, so what do you do for the people that are not quite at demon level, that are just at confused level, let's say? You know, for the people that are the self-avowed 19-year-old communists of today that maybe we can do a reclamation project on. Well, I think they're going to have a very hard awakening on their own. And very sadly, Dave, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to listen to the misery that comes one day. If they would listen to you now... They would wake up and come out of it, but that's not, not generally how it's gone. There are many, 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 many communists in the Soviet Union 
who found themselves slowly dying in the gulag system, who woke up and realized that they had served some seriously evil people. And that's kind of what it takes to wake up a lot of people who get seduced by that. It's easy for young people to think they're being tolerant or nice or I want to be loving or something like that. And then one day you wake up and you're stepping on heroin needles and slipping on poop as you walk down the sidewalk in San Francisco and you realize that maybe my life that I was, that I was hoping for, maybe, it was a, maybe I was sold a bill of goods. And it's going to take that level of misery for people. That's why, look, as, as much as it saddens me that San Francisco's like that, that New York's going this way, Philly, these places, as much as it saddens me, in a way I celebrate it. Not that I want anyone to be hurt and raped and murdered or anything like that, but clearly people who still vote Democrat, they have not experienced enough pain from their voting choices yet. And I don't want them to experience more pain, but obviously they're going to have to experience more pain before they wake up and start changing their behavior. So look, go ahead, loot the next store in San Francisco. I don't care, keep voting Democrat, they'll keep doing it. Let's hit a couple of the other big topics of the day right now. Are you, uh, I would say, uh, let's say generally pleased the way the mainstream media seems to be collapsing. It's pretty good for guys like us. I, I do think there's a, a certain risk involved when nobody believes the same thing, but it seems inevitable to me that these guys are gonna collapse at this point. Yeah, it's a, a completely poisonous institution that's a clear and present danger to the United States of America. I think it's a great thing it's collapsing. I, I actually am not sure what this is going to look like, but give me a second to filibuster here, Dave. I have this thing I think about a lot where I think about society, this is going to come back to the media thing, it's like a big ball of Play-Doh, right? We all had Play-Doh when I was a kid. And then you have these elites, the media people, the politicians, the professors, the entertainers, they're a part of the Play-Doh, right? Well, because they're evil and horrible and corrupt and they hate us, they're kind of been separated. So it's like they're this tumor on the outside of our ball of Play-Doh. And they want to pull us back with them so they can continue to lead us. But really, everything they do continues to violate trust. And so instead, they're just pulling away and away and away. And it's getting thinner and thinner and thinner. At some point in time, that strain's going to break. And I don't know what that looks like. But when 60% of the country thinks the FBI is a criminal organization, that's where we're at. People don't trust the media. People don't trust the CDC. Even five years ago, if I told you the CDC, even normal right-wing guys yeah. would be like, okay, yeah, yeah. what do they have to say? That's, that's really important <laughs> now. You hear CDC go, oh, what are they lying about now? How does that look for a nation when all of its institutions break away? Because they clearly have no idea how to earn that trust back and get back in the ball of Play-Doh. I don't know what that looks like. I can't imagine it's good, but it's probably better than the alternative. Isn't it kind of funny what it does to guys like us? Like people come up to me when I go to the supermarket or go bowling and they're like, Dave, you're the only guy I trust. And I'm always like, they mean it as a compliment, but I'm always like, shit, <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that a lot when people, they'll thank me for doing the show or thank me for talking about this. And I try to explain, I mean, I do appreciate it, but man, I'm an idiot. If you're relying on me to, to, to be the only one who tells you the truth, we are in very serious trouble. There should be like a bunch of very smart people out there who bring this stuff to you all the time and talk to you like this all the time. If it's me, that's not good. That's not good. That's good for us, I guess, David. That's not good for the country, which is what really matters. Yeah. Well, I'd like to think that there's a whole slew of us, but nonetheless, it's like, I would, that's the funny thing. I always say about the mainstream media, it's like, you guys don't have to be good. Just don't be endlessly horrible. 
but let me let me ask you something else on just like the the purely political side of things. Uh, you seem to be sort of where I'm at in the in the DeSantis camp on what's going on with him and Trump right now. Uh, I supported Trump every morning I wake up, and I'm like, I hope he hasn't posted anything today because that way I won't have to go after him because I don't want to have to go after him. But if you attack Florida, if you attack Kaylee, if you attack the policy on COVID, like all of the stuff, I, I, it feels incumbent on me to do something. What, what's been your policy on all this? My policy on it is that I don't fall in love with, with politicians. I don't join anyone's team. I, I don't, I'm not on team Trump. I'm not on team DeSantis. I want them both in the primary to beat each other up because I believe that will give us a better candidate. What I've said is, I'm leading towards voting Ron DeSantis now because COVID lockdowns and COVID back stuff, it's my biggest issue. Other people have issues they vote on. That's my issue. I view that as being a crime perpetrated against the American people. And right now I'm voting for Ron DeSantis in the primary because Donald Trump won't stop bragging about it. He'll be he's either lying about it or he's bragging about it. We did everything perfectly. The vax saved millions of lives. These things are not true. And the American people are owed a reckoning. I'm not saying he has to get on his knees and beg for forgiveness, but some sort of ownership. Don't spit in my face. Don't tell me it was great when it wasn't great. Don't tell me you didn't do it when, yes, you did. I was alive. I wasn't born yesterday. As far as the, I saw that Kaylee McEnany stuff and stuff like that with Trump. Look, this is the kind of thing where, you know what? You ever known anybody really struggled with weight, Dave? I know you have. We all know someone who struggles with weight and they're fat, and then they'll sleep in, and then they'll wake up, and their body will hurt, and they slept in, and they didn't sleep well because they're fat, so instead that turns into a fast food meal, and then and instead of a workout, and then you feel like crap again, and later on you might as well just order a piece, where, where things are bad, but because they're bad, things snowball and get worse and worse and worse. This is what happens, this is what's happened to Trump for a long time, for four years it's happened to him, the people around him are really, really, really bad. He, he, for, for whatever reason, the guy's policies are great. He just cannot pick personnel at all. The people around him are awful. They're losers and scumbags and idiots. But at the same time, because they're losers and scumbags and idiots, and because Trump wakes up and does things like give it to Kayla McEnany both barrels, he can't get good people. All the people that will want to work for him are losers and scumbags and idiots. So you want Trump to have good people around him to implement good policy, but because of stuff like that, because he just doesn't seem to want to control himself on social media, he ends up alienating all the good people. What? What? I mean, Kayla McEnany was a star. Or whatever you think about her personally, I don't know her. So I'm not friends with her, so I'm not. I don't care. But she was awesome. If if that lady's getting blasted both barrels, what talented person's going to work for Trump again? And this is why, as I've heard for months and months and months now, the talented people are saying no. They're they're being reached out to, and they're saying no. I'm not interested. And so. It, like I said, it makes it worse. It only gets worse from here. Yeah, there's definitely a self-fulfilling prophecy element to it. Uh, what, what about the, the Democrats? I mean, we're going to throw a guy with dementia back up there. The woman behind him, you know, probably doesn't know what two plus two is or would give you a very convoluted explanation on how there's multiple answers. And then just beyond that, I mean, the bench is, you know, you've got truly a communist in Gavin. Uh, the rest of them, it's just such a freaking clown car. Like, there's just nothing left. There's nothing left, and that's kind of a sad place to be. I, I don't know about you. I would love the option of voting for a Democrat. I, of I course. I, 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 I can't stand Republicans. I yell at Republicans as much <laughs> as I yell at Democrats, but I can't vote for that. What am I supposed to vote for? Child mutilation? I, an open border? I can't. 
can't vote for that. There's no reason there. There's no nothing. It's all just Marxist burn it all down crap now. So I can't vote for that. So I'm stuck voting for the friggin' Republicans. But Dave, I mean, look, it's, it's time to address the voting in this country and the way it goes and the machine the Democrats have built over time, decades and decades and decades of building up government forces to aid them in this, where now you can run a president who has dementia from his basement, never holding a rally of any kind, never really doing any serious GOTV efforts, nothing like that, from his basement, couple media interviews. Remember when we, he got caught with the prompt cards behind the thing? And now he's president of the United States of America. He can't talk. He can't think. He can't stay up past five in the evening. The senator from Pennsylvania is a freaking vegetable. Senator Cucumber, he can't talk. He's brain damaged. He had a major stroke. His brain is damaged. He should be resting and rehabbing. He's the United States senator. Dianne Feinstein from California. The, the truth is there's no more competency requirements in this country now that Democrats have figured out how to chase down the ballots they need. And now that Democrat voters cease any thought at all. They just don't. Like we brought up New York and San Francisco earlier. These people will walk through all this squalor and, oh, look, there's a homeless guy doing heroin right there. Oh, someone just assaulted my wife. Oh, it's election day. <laughs> Which Democrat are we voting for today? It's don't, it doesn't go through their head. It amazes me. I know. It's Look at Chicago. They got rid of Lori Lightfoot and then they everyone was excited yeah. for a half a minute and they voted in an even more radical Nut job. I got one more for you, Jesse Kelly, because I know you're a busy man with many shows to do today, so I'm being respectful of your time. When people read the anti-communist book, will they feel at the end that they there is hope? That is yes. the question. Yes. It's not about, I, I separate out every chapter and I tie a, all kinds of history into it of the different chapters of this is on the education system, this is on corporate communism, this is on guns. But every chapter has action items in the end. It's not just to yell and scream, everything sucks. It's, uh, this is the history of it. This is the issue. This is how we have to attack it every single time. It's, it's, I tried to lay it out as kind of a how-to manual with steps we can take. Plus, there's some, there's some humor in there as well. Jesse Kelly, the book is The Anti-Communist Manifesto. The link is down below. We shall continue this in the digital ways that we do these things, huh? Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. It's at jessekellybook.com. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you a lot, Dave. Good seeing you, man. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.